Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. Can you believe another year has gone by? Christmas is here again. I just remember celebrating 12 months ago, and here we are again. Well, you know, over the globe today and tomorrow, because there's time differences, for instance, in the east it's our, or in the west, it's already what? Christmas. We're going to celebrate later. So within the next 48 hours for us, Christmas is being celebrated all over the globe. Millions of people are celebrating this day that took place over 2,000 years ago. I want to toss a question out to you. It's going to be an obvious one. What is Monday? Is it just another day of the week? Monday? Or is it a special day? It's Jesus' birthday. The day he was born. But I would venture to say, if you went to the malls, and the malls are kind of crazy out there, aren't they? Um, I know before I came back from the Philippines, the malls there are crazy. They start Christmas in September. But when it comes around December time, it's crazy. It's like ants. I mean, there's so many people in the malls. It's wall-to-wall people. And... Um, we ventured out a couple days. Kathy said, you want to go to the mall? No, it's okay. I got, I got to get ready for this message. <laughs> but uh, we did go by, and you know, there's a lot of people there, lots of traffic. Everybody's out shopping. But I would venture to say, if you went into the mall today, and you asked them this one question, what's Monday really about? What kind of answer might you get, if any? Yeah, well, that's probably what you hear most, right? So let's take a look at a little clip here. I, th- I thought it was really cute here. Um, hopefully we can click through here. Luke, am I pre- Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. Thank you, Luke. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Very good. That's what Christmas is all about. Do you think you would have gotten that response, though, from most people you run into? Nah, I don't think so. A little different story out there when you encounter. But, um, you know, as we come upon this great event that's going to happen tomorrow, have you given it some thought about who Jesus is and why he came and how important that birth is? You know, when you think about this event, I think about a song that was written by Don Moen many years ago. We've sung it here. It's... Think about his love. Think about his goodness. Think about his grace that brought us through. 
For as high as the heavens above, so great is the measure of our Father's love. And that was exhibited Monday over 2,000 years ago. You ever thought about that? You know, as we, we think about these things, we will move closer to a love and a, an honor and respect for the Creator, the one who came here to this earth as a man. Throughout history, beginning at creation and leading up to Jesus' birth, God's love was revealed more and more through the details of the scriptures. You know, we've talked about this morning, breaking the bread, the prophecies that were given. We saw those prophecies of Isaiah written a thousand years before he came. They were fulfilled. God laid out his plan that he was going to send his son, a savior, to save men from their sin. And as we search through the scriptures, we see God had orchestrated many events through time in order to fulfill his promise, as we heard through those prophecies this morning. His promise of sending a redeemer to bring man back into fellowship with God, with the only true and living God. So the wonder of Christmas is that the creator himself, the eternal word, Jesus, Christ, he became human. He became man for us. That's why he came. To come as a savior. You know, I really see this. This was God's ultimate answer to the sin. The sin question that occurred in that Garden of Eden. Sin brought into the world by Adam. We see in John, a wonderful passage that we're all familiar with. It says, in the beginning was the Word. Now think through this for a minute. In the beginning was the Word. Now what does it mean, the beginning? Since the dawn of time. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was what? God. In the beginning, he's God. Now, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And the word, which is Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. We see through this scripture, has Jesus always existed? Did he just come into existence 2,000 years ago? Nope. He's always been here. He participated, and he was the creator, participated in creation. He was the creator, as Don mentioned this morning. Take a look at a, uh, a video here of creation and see if you can gather in your heart a wonder of who Jesus really is through this video. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. God said, let there be light. And there was light. said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. morning. 
the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place. and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years and let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness.
and God saw that it was good. evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures. and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. according to their kinds. The livestock according to their kinds and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good.
Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. the breath of life and the man became a living being then God said let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air over the livestock over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds of the air, and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Well, at the conclusion of God's creation, I hope that really moved you, because I wanted to take you back in a point of time where there was no sin in the world where it was created perfectly. And at the conclusion of God's creation, 
He saw everything he made, and he said, indeed, it was what? Good. Good. Everything about God's creation would have been perfect. And it was, just think about a, a world for Adam and Eve, what it was like to be in a place absent from sin. What would our world, just think about it, what would our world be today if it was absent of sin? Well, the media wouldn't have anything to write about. <laughs> there would be nothing to report on the news. The world in which Adam and Eve lived would have been a perfect temperature. Wouldn't be cold like it is here. We're, Albert and I were talking about how cold it is here. I said, I can relate. It's cool. But it'd be a place of perfect temperature, perfect humidity. You wouldn't need air conditioning. I needed air conditioning every day where I was here a few weeks ago. It was hot and humid. You need AC. It'd be a place without pests, without insects, without poisonous plants. And there wouldn't be anything to detract our thoughts about the creator and who God is. Nothing to detract us. Now, it's hard to get that concept in our mind because we've never experienced that, have we? There was no shame. It was a place of no guilt. And Adam and Eve, they lived in a blissful existence with God. They were in perfect harmony with God. It was a place that God intended it to be. That's what's amazing. God didn't intend the world to be like it is today. You know, we can accept it and say, oh, that's the way things are. But no, that isn't how God intended it. Adam and Eve enjoyed a relationship with God and with each other, unhindered by the disruptive power of sin. And Adam and Eve were the only two people on earth that were privileged to have experienced this, this life. Have any of you experienced this kind of life? Perfect harmony, free from sin, free from worry. We haven't, we haven't, um, we have not experienced that. Well, while in the garden, there were commandments that were given in the garden to Adam and Eve. And while there, God said, Adam and Eve, you shall not eat from one tree. One simple command. You shall not eat from one tree. And you might think, well, what's so bad about that? One tree? Is that going to hurt anything? He said, out of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Is that difficult to understand? It's not difficult, is it? A simple command given in the garden. 
God made all this beautiful creation. And he gave one simple command, do not eat of this tree. But what happened, they sought to live independently of God. And sin entered the human scene. And at that time, the whole world would change in an instant. The perfect world would become imperfect. Just like that, by disobeying God. God's commandment was broken. Eve took of the fruit. Adam took of the fruit. And sin entered the world. And we all know what the results of it, of that act in the garden, don't we? We know it today. We see death. We see mayhem. We see catastrophic events, storms, earthquakes around the world. And um, for many of us, we're going to see the results of it, because in a few months when it starts warming up again, what grows in your yard? Weeds. The result of sin. Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God. They sinned against the holy and righteous God by eating that forbidden fruit. They had life, and now death ruled in their life. Where was the joy and pleasure? It's now gone. Now pain was introduced. They had a joyous occupation with abundance. God provided all their food. There wasn't Safeways on the, car, on the corners, jack-in-the-boxes, Taco Bell. God provided everything they need. Every one of their needs was provided by God. Every one. Now a meager subsistence by toil and sweat of the brow has become the rule with pain in childbirth. Where there was a perfect fellowship with God and each other, now we see alienation, fear, blaming, hiding, and attempting to cover their nakedness with fig leaves. And now all kinds of physical and spiritual hardship came into a perfect world all due to their sin. That act of being disobedient to God. In the thinking today, people would say, well, that's no big deal. It's just the fruit of a tree. Well, it was a big deal because God said, don't do it. It's a big deal. And due to their sin, they've affected creation since the fall. In Genesis, it said, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. Now, this was 
about 1,400 years later after creation, the earth was populated with, with men and women, children, boys and girls. And the Lord said he saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and he was going to deal with it. He said that, and that the every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This is what it was like during Noah's day. It was evil continually. Uh, do we see that today? All around us. Continually. Pick up the paper. Listen to the news. Continually. It doesn't stop. Every day you get, wake up, there's something new, and you wonder, wow, what's going on in this world today? All because of sin. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, I did some investigating. I was curious myself. How many people do you think were on the earth during Noah's day? There's probably quite a few. Now, you have to remember, men and women, they lived until up to the 900 years old. And they had an average of about five to ten children per family. So if you start calculating the numbers, you come up into millions and trillions of people. Now, it's just a guess, you know, how many there are. Some say there was a trillion. Some say there was 100 million. Some say 100, 200 million. You just don't know. But there was a lot. Well, the story of Noah's Ark and the Flood is one filled with faith, perseverance, promise, and God was a man who found great favor in the eyes of God because he loved God. He wanted to be obedient to God. The entire population of mankind had become evil and wicked, and God decided to bring a flood to destroy what he had created. But Noah and his family of eight were the ones who were saved from this catastrophic event that hit the world. Eight out of who knows how many that were on this earth lived, were saved. Noah and his family were rescued from God's judgment. The ark rescued them from certain death. Well, there was a promised one, too. You know, it's symbolic of Christ. He's kind of like the ark. If Noah's family had not got into the ark, would they have been saved? Nope. That door opened up. They let them in. And you know, Jesus, do you know Jesus is known as the door? <laughs> he says, no one comes to me except through me. He is the door. He is the way. He says, I am the truth. I am the way to eternal life. 
He is the door. Well, a couple thousand years later, we have another great event that we're celebrating on Monday, and that's the Messiah's birth. But just think, all that time from the day of creation up until we are right now, the birth of Jesus, there was a Savior. God had promised, even in the garden, that there would be a Savior. And I like what it says in Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which also in Jesus Christ, who, being a form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as man, he humbled himself. Jesus, the God of all creation, laid aside his power. I wanted to show you that clip on creation because you look at the stars, you look at the things on this earth, aren't you moved about the creation? That God himself spoke by the power of his word all these things into being? These things just didn't evolve. He created them perfectly. And I know Don spoke about creation this morning. You look at the stars at the night and you just wonder, wow, Lord, you are so powerful. Those stars do speak to you. The heavens speak to you. Creation speaks to us. So we see Jesus the Word who became flesh. He humbled himself. He laid aside his power when he was born in that stable in, in uh, Bethlehem. That very one laying in that manger in swaddling clothes was the Creator. Now, can you fathom that? I was thinking this morning, breaking the bread, we were talking about the event. And there was a man in the temple, his name was Simeon. And Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple days later to present him before the Lord. And Simeon saw the Lord Jesus, and he took him in his arms. And he said, I see, this is my salvation. Now, ladies, when you pick up a baby, don't you goo-goo and gaga over a baby in your arms? I mean, the ladies just love those babies, don't you? Can you imagine holding the Creator in your hands, the Savior of the world in your hands? Can you imagine that? How awesome that would be. But you know, in your hearts, you can do that. I can't imagine the thoughts of Mary as she looked down at her son, knowing that he was, the, was God, Emmanuel, God with us. But we see through this, since the beginning of time, God had a plan. He had a rescue plan set into place. 
to rescue humanity from all evil and the penalty of sin. He knew that we would all fall into sin by defying him as our creator. But despite our rejection, he loved us and he created a way to bring us back into relationship with him. Isn't that fantastic? It's a fantastic story. And that's why I'm always reminded about his birth. The reason why he came was for this very reason, to bring me back to God. In fact, when Adam and Eve, the first people on earth, rebelled against God, he immediately provided a glimpse of what was to come. Immediately. He didn't wait. But he provided that glimpse of hope. When he told the serpent who had deceived Eve, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. A promise from God right there at the fall. The hope. And that hope existed from century to century to century to century until even today. The hope is in Christ and nothing else. It's only through him. Our great creator. Jesus. We see his birth, his death, and resurrection are the culmination of the promise in God's awesome plan. What an awesome plan. He was the promised seed, the coming Messiah, the offspring of Eve who will defeat Satan. That's the good news. It was prophesied in Micah, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be a ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Therefore he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor has given birth. The remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel and he shall stand and feed his flock. In the strength of the Lord, the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God, and they shall abide. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and this one shall be peace. It was prophesied in Micah that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Now what's interesting when you see this prophecy, there was two Bethlehems. Too. But in Scripture, it was prophesied it would be Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Perfect. Now, could you predict the city you would be born in thousands of years before you came? Nah, hardly. But here it was predicted. It was prophesied, it was fulfilled. The Messiah would come and be born in Bethlehem. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto you us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, 
and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, if you have Jesus Christ in your life today, do you have peace? Yeah, I do. If Jesus is in your life today, you have peace. He is the Prince of Peace. If you have Jesus in your life, you will have peace. If you don't have peace today in your life, bring the Prince of Peace into your life. Don't ignore him. Don't forget who he is. And he wants to know you. He wants to have that close, intimate relationship with you. Make him your prince of peace. God fulfilled his promise to rescue humanity from the evil that is now in the world. In Hebrews 4.15 it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Well, praise the Lord for that. Because he was without sin, he was able to take our sin in his body on that tree and nail our sin to the cross and to die on Calvary and pay the penalty that was you deserved, I deserved, the penalty paid on the cross at Calvary for our sin. He was the sin bearer. Only he could do it because he was sinless. He has suffered on behalf of mankind and the penalty of mankind's sin, which is death and separation from God. He took it all on himself, nailed it to a tree. And Jesus did this to satisfy the righteous demands of his holiness. He is a holy God. God is a just God. Be holy and just, can you just ignore sin? You just can't ignore it. You can't let it go, go away. You know, in politics today, do you see all this stuff going on that is ignored? God is not like that. He will not ignore sin. He just doesn't forget about it and let it slide Unless you're one of his children, he forgives you and blots it out. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Died on a cross and rose again on the third day. Why was the resurrection important? It proved that his death on the cross was sufficient. Had Jesus not risen from the dead, we would all be in a pitiful situation. He rose again, conquering death, so that all who truly believe in him through repentance of sin and faith in him, and not by your own merit, it's his work. It's through his work on the cross you're able to come back to God and live eternally with the Creator. Now, you saw those videos of creation. Wasn't that fantastic? The color, just unbelievable. And when you've experienced it, it's even more unbelievable. You know, those underwater scenes, I mean, I was blown away by them because I've experienced all those. 
But always when I see it, I reflect on the Jesus, the creator, that he came for me, he died for me. It just still blows me away. He wants me to have that relationship with him, a close relationship with him. John 3.16, a very familiar verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. How many fathers in this room have a son? Raise your hand. Okay. Would you give your oldest son, your firstborn son, to die for me, for my sin? Dan, would you do that? I wouldn't think so. No way. But God the Father did. Don't take that lightly. God's only son was given freely. It's amazing to me because of my sin. I didn't deserve it. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes on him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Man, what a wonderful creator we have. What a wonderful gift we have. You know, we share lots of gifts, but there's nothing greater than the gift of God's Son to each one of us. If you don't know Jesus today, and he is not in your life, man, this gift wants to be part of your life. How could you ignore him? Look at all that he's done. All he's given you. And he wants to give you more. What a wonderful Savior. What a gift. We have a loving creator who came to save us. As we celebrate Christmas tomorrow, think of him. What a wonderful and awesome Savior we have and what a wonderful creator we have who cares and loves us so much. For there's born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord and he will be assigned to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I'm glad he came to seek and save me. Are you glad he sought you out? And if Jesus is still on your trail seeking you, don't ignore him. He'll make a big change in your life. Big difference. Start out 2018 with a new life in Jesus. And those of us that know him, 2018, again, appreciate the love that he has for you and reach out to him. Return again and again to the scene of Jesus' birth and remember the significance of his birth. 
So think about his love. Think about his goodness. Think about his grace. For as high as the heavens above, so great is the measure of our Father's love. We see that all culminated between creation, the birth of Jesus, and later we'll celebrate his death on the cross. Merry Christmas to all of you, and may this Christmas bring joy to your heart and praise him for what he's done in your life, and may he continue to move you and shape you according to his will this Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for your word and the promise of your coming. As we reflect again on Christmas, Lord, we know what a special event that is to each one of us who know you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming down to this earth to become a man. We thank you for the power that is in you, and we thank you for the power to forgive sin. And as we go out this new year, we pray, Lord, that we might have a greater love for you. We might come to know you better. And if we don't know you, we pray, Lord, that you might speak to the hearts of those who don't know you. Speak to their heart. Bring them to yourself, Lord. And may they enjoy the riches and the goodness and the love of Christ Jesus in their life. And we do pray this in Jesus' name.